Father Harrison, I, um, I'm going to ask you a question. But before I ask you this okay. question, I'm going to set up my completely correct opinion and correct answer about this question. Okay. 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 So I uh, came across, someone passed this along to me, that uh, a, a priest, a uh, friend of mine, we were in mm-hmm. seminary together back in the day, uh, Father Cassidy, was doing this little, little uh, poll on Twitter. And the uh-huh. poll was about whether or not bus rosaries are good. Now, okay. a bus rosary isn't the rosary beads the size of a bus. Because if that was a bus rosary, with rosary beads the size of size of buses, obviously good. Because as obviously. everyone knows, the bigger the beads, the more grace you get from the prayer, right? So, what if the solar that. system is a decade of the rosary? I mean, maybe it is. She's Our I mean, Lady why? Queen of the Universe. Yeah, because, yeah, just something to ponder. It's something to ponder. I mean, um, we would know this if you looked at those little, those new Swatch Moon watches, right? Sorry, anyways. Yeah, we're not sorry. talking about anyways, watches. No, we'll leave that to sorry. professionals. Yes, we'll leave um, that to professionals. Sorry, but, uh, anyways, I'm, getting, I'm throwing you off your game. Also, also, um, if, if the solar system is a rosary, one, Pluto has to be a planet. Yeah. And then don't we need one more? Wait, no, uh, oh, wait. How many planets are there? Eight? Nine? <laughs> this is embarrassing. This is um, kind of embarrassing. Uh, anyways. Are you anyways, gonna Google how many everyone's... planets are in the solar system? <laughs> I'm almost certain, Wait. well, I think Pluto is a planet because I'm a trad. Right. Right? And, All, every, and... every millennial knows in their hearts that Pluto is a planet. Um, but yeah, no, like, I'm always like, yeah, there's nine planets in, a, in the sun, right? Yeah, okay. So there's ten celestial bodies. There's ten celestial bodies, yeah. So, you know, ten Hail Marys right there. Perfect. Okay, what was I talking about? Oh, yes, okay, so a bus. <laughs> Let me start the show. <laughs> How many planets are in the Father? I don't know. <laughs> you know we're in the depths of Lent when we're just, like, getting kind of school child giddy-ish, you know? It's just like, you, should just you, be, get, you, you, should, you get to a level crazy, and you just have to go with it. Yeah, people should just be happy. I know there's seven sacraments. Um, after that, you know, it's all off for grabs. So, very often, if you've ever gone down from the March for Life or done a parish pilgrimage, inevitably, someone will say, let's pray a rosary, okay? Mm-hmm. And as soon as that person says it, they've performed an act of social terrorism. Uh-huh. They have taken the bus hostage. Yes. Uh, because there's a feeling that you're now morally obligated to pray the rosary. Because what Catholic doesn't like to pray the rosary? Right. And it's like, I get you want to watch rewatch that episode of Community on your mm-hmm. phone. But too bad. Because if you do that, then clearly you hate Jesus and Our Lady. Exactly. Right? So you're stuck. You have to pray this rosary. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so one act of social and potentially even religious terrorism. In, yep. I mean, some would say that. I'm not saying I would say that, but some would say that. Okay. Who's just who was this to say? And the problem with that is that, you know, especially if it's a big bus and it's a noisy bus, it's really hard to hear. It's hard to focus. Also, like you want to take a nap or you just want to zone out because no one likes the actual trip, right? You're just trying to zone out for most of the trip so you can get to the destination, right? Okay. I have always, with a deep, deep passion, hated the bus rosary. Now, mm-hmm. the rosary itself, I carry around with me all the time. I pray it very often or other chaplets, I like the rosary. I don't even mind you know, the occasional public rosary. For example, my parish consecrated, uh, joined in the consecration of Russia, Ukraine, and everyone to uh, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And we did a litany, we did a rosary, delightful, loved it, okay? Mm-hmm. 
but bus rosaries are just a miserable experience. I have never experienced a prayerful bus rosary. It's always pure penance. It's an experience of purgatory. No one wants to do it. Everyone feels forced to do it. And they want to say it's a good thing because it sounds holy. And I want to give the people permission to dislike a bus rosary. You can still love Our Lady. You can still love prayer. But public group prayer on a bus is just no good. Hmm. And so you want my opinion, even though yeah. you've already stated, stated the facts. I just want to know if you're right or wrong about this. I'm curious. So I've, I've not had this many experiences of it because um, I haven't had to take too many buses as a priest. Um, mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, like, there's just not a lot of places. We're, we're not exactly close to places that you would take a bus to. Sure. That would make sense for a bunch of Catholics to get on a bus together. So I, I the closest, I, I, but I mean, I've done it a couple times. And I mean, like, I think it depends on your group. You see, I, I, I'm going to be the moral theologian here. Okay. And say that depending on circumstances and uh, the gravity of the matter and the people around you, uh, the 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 moral weight of praying a rosary together on a bus is can be determined. Because if you're with a bunch of say retired parishioners, mm-hmm. they're more apt to want to do something like that together. Sure, I find. So in those situations, great. I think there's something to doing some form of you know. If you're traveling together, you're going to a destination, it's a Catholic thing, it's good to do some form of communal prayer together, whether it's just even just saying a prayer before the bus leaves, or we're going to do a decade of the rosary together or something like that. And if you want to continue on on your own, great, God bless you, or something like that. So that way you're not holding a whole bus hostage. Um, so I think it, but like if you're with a bunch of young people, for example, doing something like that may be harder to do. Why is that? And Not that they don't like the rosary, but it's not a place they want to hang out with their friends they want to or it's their first time going on a catholic trip with people so they're nervous there's all sorts of things right again it depends it depends on the audience depends on the mm-hmm. audience it, it's like i've noticed that like a lot of young young adults for example they love praying the rosary but they tend to like to pray it more privately while mm-hmm. um older catholics they're very keen to do stuff like pray it together before mass and everything like that right mm-hmm. so just it's according to the demographic needs Okay, I can respect that, but I just want to give everyone permission out there. Absolutely. If you don't like praying a bus rosary, you're allowed to not like praying it. Welcome to Clerically Speaking. I'm Father Anthony. I'm Father Harrison. I'll just quickly add to say that like, yeah, sure. you could be like John the Baptist and wear um, camel's hair and eat honey and locusts and prophesy against them if they are praying it. I would rather eat bugs than pray a bus rosary. I would rather wear camel's hair shirt for a month than pray one bus rosary. I'd rather go out in the desert and fast for 40 days and 40 nights than pray one bus rosary. Okay. Actually, I have one quick question before I go into my thing. Um, What's the moral difference of, let's say this group, you're going to DC together and you're at the the basilica and Mm -hmm. the priest says, we're all going to pray the rosary. Yeah. Would you have a moral aversion then? Not at all. Why We're not? In a church. What's the, what's the, there's a kneeler. The, but what's the moral? You can hear difference? each other. What's the moral difference between praying a rosary there and oh, praying a rosary oh, in the bus? Oh. See now, now you've made a categorical mistake. I've never argued against the morality of it. Maybe the morality of introducing and keeping Sorry. a bus hostage, but okay. this is purely um, this is purely uh, my preference. 
that like on okay. a bus, it's hard well, to so hear you're people. Imposing, you're imposing your preference as theological truth. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because okay. that's okay. what well, theologians on the internet do, happening. right? If that's what's happening, yeah. then I'm okay with this. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Good. I'm glad we're yeah, clear on that. Sorry, moral weight wasn't the right word, but I can't think of the, other, the right word right now. Anyways. What yeah. can you think of? What's going on, Harrison? Uh, I gotta just apologize for probably the most depressed episode of Clerical Speaking we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely the Debbie Downer episode of Clerical Speaking. <laughs> I was not in a great. I was not. I was not in a great place last week. I'm in a better place. I'm in a better place, in, in part because last week ended up being the first relative. I mean, those are still. It's crazy. Lent's always crazy, but it, is it crazy, was the though. first relatively normal week I've had in that nothing blew up literally like nothing no emergencies were thrown my way for the first week in six months mm-hmm. and so as the week went on thursday was probably the end of the which is when we recorded so yes. i'm in a better place now um, that's nice i discovered we actually i actually have a lot of parishioners who listen to the podcast <laughs> did they did they all bring you like chicken soup and like hey buddy you okay buddy? A, lot of people coming love after, you. a lot of people coming after yeah a lot of people coming after my father just want to know we really love having you we really love you i'm like oh oh well thank you that's very really nice i was actually oh, that's very sweet of you thank you i'm not fishing nice. for things or anything but it's uh again it was not it's, it's just it's just listen it just stuff happens and you can't do anything about it but it's not always fun but i i, I was not in a for me, I'm never, um, I'm not a hopeless person. So that even when I'm feeling like really down and out, I'm not without hope, even if it can sound like it. <laughs> weirdly enough, yeah. like, that's like weirdly <laughs> enough, it's okay. I feel like it's okay to express this and even acknowledge it and talk about it because I know yeah. this isn't the end. Yeah, that makes sense so to that, me. You know, that makes sense, right? So, like for me, yeah. Weirdly enough while it was rather depressing and despairing at the same time it was, it was still actually quite an act of hope on my part because i'm like yeah this isn't the end it's not it's not the end yeah uh so yeah i just wanted to say i'm sorry because <laughs> i'm canadian that's what we do <laughs> that's we apologize right. <laughs> we apologize for things but uh it was um i mean it is busy i i had part of it was also i had no time to prepare anything last week and i also had no time not, let me rephrase that um when you do have time the little bit of free time I did have last week, I didn't have, I didn't use it to prepare something for the podcast, but yeah, that's totally fair. No worries. But, and that same thing happened this week, although, cause I got, here's so just to, this, this morning, I had one hour of okay. doing some office work. It was the first time I could check in my emails since Sunday. Yeah. And I came back to 40 or 45 new emails. Great. Um, which was, you know, always great. So you're just plowing through those. And this is the list of things I need to do today is a little post-it here that is a we full post-it note and i have to, to do, do these by the end of tonight well maybe we should get to it then maybe we should so, some... it's just to say life is busy so like next week's episode which we're also going today uh is uh is gonna be equally unprepared uh but more hope-filled and joy-filled i think so uh, that's just where I'm at. I'm better. It's still busy, but I'm in a better place with it. Good. If that makes also, sense. Also, I should make a note um, because I'm not sure if this is picking up on the audio, but there's a chance someone heard some baby sounds in the background, mm-hmm. which I did. You know, yeah. Uh, so that could be confusing to our listeners uh, because neither of us are parents. Uh, this is all completely fine because I am at the producer house of That's producer right. Nick, producer Rally, and producer Indiana. 
and she is very fascinated by her own voice. So she's going to be just like squawking in the background, uh, which is a reminder that uh, none of our money goes to us. It goes to our recording equipment, to the Daughters of St. Paul, and also to pay our producers who make this show possible. And in so doing, you're supporting the little baby. So consider this uh, our advertisement if you're any baby squawking in the background. Let's, Let's just say this. You know, if you if you were to able to contribute to the Patreon, uh, mm-hmm. we would be able to buy more pacifiers to keep her more quiet when you were recording there. <laughs> I have I have some friends who call the pacifier the plug. <laughs> Get the plug. <laughs> when I, I called them soothers when I was growing up. We called them soothers mm-hmm. actually, but yeah. But that pacifiers. sounds so yeah. Canadian. Really? Uh, I soothe you the baby. Yeah. Uh, binkies, or a bink, binky, bink. The plug's my favorite. The plug. I kind of like that. Here you go. That's very American. Get the plug. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shut him up. <laughs> All right. Let's get some theological emergencies. Hello. My name is Damien. I'm nine. If God wants me to be happy in heaven, does that mean that if my best friend goes to hell, that God will have him in to heaven to make me happy? If hev- If people I love aren't in heaven, will I like it? Thanks. Bye. We need to get him on some St. Thomas Aquinas. It will not shock me if but, this... Uh, so, Damien, if you are nine years old, that's a very deep if question. Is, if that is your real name. <laughs> yeah, so it's actually a great question. And it's not just nine-year-olds who think about this. I've, no, I've exactly. had this conversation with many people. Because it's a very you good set question up, for a nine-year-old. You set up situation. Because a part of our you know genuine joy here on Earth is the love, companionship, friendship with other human beings. And... Ideally, that's kind of the whole, one of the whole purposes of salvation is to bring humanity back together. That's what the church is for. This perfect society where everyone's gathered to God together. It's also why um, the church is how it is. God wants to use his people to show his love. Um, he wants to use all of us as mediators. It's a very sacramental world for you. For more on this, check out Mysterion by Father Harrison Eyre. Uh, so the problem is, what if there's somebody I, I really love and... Um, before they died, um, they threw a cat in the river and now they're going to hell. Um, that's not exactly how it works. Okay. But let's just say, let's Anyways, just say, it's I don't want to really bad. Really, really yeah. bad. Yeah. Okay. So okay. it's possible. It's possible people we know could go to hell, right? Could you be happy in heaven? Now, before I answer this, I think this is a good reason. Um, it's one of the reasons why we pray for other people. It's because we love them. And we want them to be happy with God in heaven. Also, you know, that love you have for your friend, it's good to remember that Mary and the saints have even more love for you. And they're praying constantly for you to get to heaven. Okay. So, yes, the first thing you have to remember that, like, this is why it's so important for us to pray. Now, let's just say it happens. Like, your very good friend or best friend doesn't go to heaven. Will you be happy? And this is going to be hard to understand. But the answer is yes. (laughs) There won't be sadness in heaven. Um, and I want to take a crack at this and Father Harrison, you can correct me if you, mm-hmm. that if you think about it, heaven and hell are both choices. You either choose to accept God or choose to reject him. If you're going to hell in a, in a very radical way through your actions, through the course of your life, you've chosen to reject God. And so you've chosen to accept hell and it makes baby Indiana very sad when you do that. Um, uh, so there's a certain kind of both mercy and justice in people who have rejected God. They are allowed to go to hell for that, basically. It's one way to look at the judgment. 
So you wouldn't be mad at that. Um, and also to remember that in heaven there will be perfect joy. And this is like it's hard to imagine the fact that we will all um, be more than best friends in heaven. Because in this life, friendship and love always have a kind of exclusivity. If you're married to one person, it means you're not married to someone else. Okay. In heaven, you have the intimacy of relationships without the exclusivity. And that's hard for us to imagine. So the short answer is, yeah, you'll be happy. And the slightly longer, longer answer is make sure you pray for your friends. Yeah. And just to add to that, I think that so when we are in heaven, our first love is always God, right? Yeah. And you're going to like, here's the thing. And this is, I think, one of the weird, strange paradoxes of our faith. And it's a beautiful thing, though. I just realized I used the word paradox for a nine-year-old, so just ignore that word. Anyways. Uh, He's a smart it's, dude. It's, okay, okay. Um, is that those who aren't with God are still loved by God. Yeah. And so you'll you'll still love them, even though they're not with you, but um, you still have that, that relationship still kind of weirdly exists. That love for them still exists. And so that there's nothing lost on your end there. And that mm-hmm. it's all, but it's all done through that, ex, that kind of exclusive love with God, which is a love then for everyone who God loves and who's with mm-hmm. God. And so, right. So just to like, so you won't be unhappy because you'll have the thing that you need the most, which is God himself. And that that's the lens through which you'll see your relationship with everyone. And so you won't yeah. be unhappy, right? It's, 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 uh, it's a higher way of looking at how to love which you'll grow into over time you'll understand more as you grow up but i think the fact that you're asking this question which is a very good question is a sign that you're taking god seriously and Mm -hmm. you are taking our faith seriously and you want the best for everyone so as father anthony said pray for your friends and try to be a saintly example to them and show them why loving god is so great and this is obviously because uh, Damien, if that is his real name, probably has really good parish priests who are just really smart and holy. That's probably why he can ask such good questions. His parents are probably okay too, but it's probably really because well, of his parish no, priests. No, but, but here's the thing. Why would they be having to ans- ask these questions? Shouldn't they have already had the answers from their parish priests? That's are a great question. So what, what, so what's <laughs> happening in my eyes is, is actually the priests are being neglectful of their pastoral duties. <laughs> In a good, in a holy parish, the parishioners have no questions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, Title man. of your next right. parish self-help book. There you go. Uh, doing one more. Uh, you know what? Let's. Ju- we got two episodes to record. Let's jump into exhortations. Okay. And now it is time for presbyteral. Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's the best part. Yes. Yes. Quite. Yes. Quite. So a delightful thing happened to me, uh, let's say Friday. Uh, and this is a delightful thing because a lot of times I struggle with just praying with the scriptures versus getting ready to preach when I pray. Okay. So very often, like I'll read scriptures and my brain will be like, and be like, what can I preach about? <laughs> and it can actually distract me from my own personal prayer. It's like, well, first of all, the Lord has something to say to you, Father Anthony, through the scriptures. Listen to that mm-hmm. first and then worry about preaching later. But uh, some of the more profound homilies have been when these two things have lined up. I'm trying mm-hmm. to do that more and more. 
because there's a good chance if the scripture is speaking to me, uh, I'm not a terribly unique person. And so this was getting to me uh, as I was praying over the scriptures. So I did not have the scrutinies. So for many of you, uh, if you went to mass and there were the RCIA candidates, technically it's the OCIA because it's not the order of blah, blah, blah. Don't worry about that. So wait, uh, is it like the OC? It is. It's the like, OC. It's like, so now now Christian initiation has to be on a beach uh, it does. Wearing, oh. wearing white shorts and like fancy $200 collared white shirts. And I'm going to talk to our, uh, uh, definitely for our posters <laughs> next year, advertising talk, for... Yeah. When I hear the OCIA, I just think that it's the OCIA, and I think of Arrested Development, like, don't call it that. <laughs> don't, don't call it that. <laughs> Anyways, so, I'm sorry. Sorry. If you were at the Mass with the OC, uh, you probably heard the readings from year A. So every year that you have the OC with you, uh, who are becoming Catholic, you usually hear the readings from A. I didn't have that, so I prayed over the readings for this year, which is year C. And for us, it was the uh, the Gospels of Prodigal Son. But what really struck me was actually the second reading from St. Paul. So I'm going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it. Sound okay? Sounds awesome. Okay, so I'm going to read it first. Brothers and sisters, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And all this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, God was reconciled. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors for Christ, as if God were appealing through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake, he made him to be sin who did not know sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Heck yeah. So this really struck me because one of the ways uh, I think a priest learns how to preach to his parish is actually by listening to confessions. Mm-hmm. Um, so my parish, it's, it's great. We have a lot of times for confessions. So I'm getting to learn more about where the hearts of the people are in the parish. And I'm not even talking about specific sins, but very often, uh, particularly among young people who go to confession, but among all ages, I have heard such heaviness in the confessional where it's as if there is almost a doubt in God's mercy and forgiveness that the person is so focused on their own shame that they can't lift up their eyes to God. And there's all, and it, very often there can be a despair in it. Like, I'm always going to do these sins. I'm back here again. I'm going to do it again. There is a feeling that God is almost ashamed of you. So you, you're, you have a feeling of shame, and then you attribute that to God feeling shame mm-hmm. to you. Yep. And very often we wouldn't, like, process that outwardly, but this is what I'm hearing in people's voices and in the way this they confess. Is, my, my experience is I don't think this is unique to your parish. This is mm-hmm. like just a, and I say it's even unique to my parish. It's just this is a, yeah. a common phenomenon period that I've heard over years. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah I'll agree because it's I've heard it in my other parishes as well. But like it was just striking me uh, mm-hmm. over the past week because we're hearing even more confessions because it is the season for confessions. And yes, this strikes me as not good. <laughs> like, no, it's not good at all. This is not healthy. And, and like what happens with the shame thing is, okay, so you're like, oh, I got the shame. 
and mm-hmm. this is something that's imputed me. I'm such a horrible person in the eyes of God or mm-hmm. something like that, right? Okay, you say this, and then the problem is, but then the thing you need to do to get out of all this is the very thing you're going to run away from, namely your your heart, mm-hmm. because the heart is the source of shame, but it's actually also the source of encounter with God. Mm. And so you run away from it and you hide from it. And so it, and it can manifest itself in all sorts of ways. And you keep on wondering, why am I going back and I'm back and I'm back? Because I'm like, well, because the one thing you need to go into is the one thing you keep on running away from, which is namely mm-hmm. counting your heart, your attachments, sin you want to do, et cetera. And, and acknowledging yeah. and saying like, this is it. And, and so, and then the, the false image in our heads and in our minds gets really, um, pounded into us in a way to a point where it actually gets harder and harder to think why how can i encounter god how can i encounter god in my heart yeah um right and so it's it's but it's it's a and i always say it's easy i know it's easier said than done and i don't Mm -hmm. know how to and i think this is the hard thing i don't know about you but i find it really hard to help people through it in a way because and again, this may be just my own experience, but God's bigger than your sin. Yes. I'm going to get to this. This is very okay. good. Okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah, because you've outlined the problem very well that in order to really have God's healing enter our hearts means we have to go to the place of that shame. But if we think that God is ashamed of us, we're going to be hesitant to go to that place. Because very often we're looking at our own sins by ourselves, not in the light of God's mercy. Okay. A story that will help explain why I'm doing this. I've got friends. They've got kids. Sometimes the kids get real emotional, real hyped up, or really sad in some sort of way. And what they'll do sometimes, especially in the cold weather of Pittsburgh, is that they will grab one of their kids and then put their feet in the snow for a second and bring them back inside. Mm-hmm. because they need that like hard physical reset to get their brains back in order and they're giggling and it works it's like magic or like wash their face or something sometimes you need a hard reset to like get back to reality because you get so caught up in your own own emotions and in your own head and we've all experienced this on some level that you can get trapped in your own noggin mm-hmm. and this is what i'm hearing in the confessional that people are trapped in their own head and they don't need an own reset and kind of what you said at the end about God being bigger than your sins, that's what I see in the second reading, okay? Mm -hmm. That we forget God's stance toward us. And St. Paul, he he hammers on this in so many ways. Um, God shows his love for us in that while we we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now you may say, you're still a sinner. Yeah, sure, okay, but follow me here. Mm -hmm. While we were not daughters and sons of God, while we were simply his servants, simply his creatures, surely loved by God, but we did not have that intrinsic relationship through Christ, okay? While we were still little baby pagans, or while you, before you went to RCIA and before you were baptized, God sent his only begotten son to die for you. He didn't do so begrudgingly. He had no regrets. He chose in every moment of his suffering on the cross to continually say yes to that saving mission. Okay? And because of that, and because of your baptism, you are now God's own child. Mm-hmm. Why do you think as God has son le- is, And as the son is a son yes. to him. Like, 
Just think yes. about the implications of that. And yes, yes. that's where it all goes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, why do you think God has less mercy on you now? Mm. Like, has God become less merciful because now you're his kid? Mm -hmm. To the contrary, if you could say God could be more merciful, this is where you would say it. Yeah. God doesn't change. doesn't quite, you know, but, but like, if anything... God is even approaching you with mercy even more. That the whole point was for reconciliation, to bring us back to God. And so people get very worried about presumption in going to the confessional. And I think we need to define that because presumption, that's kind of like, if I say the right words, God has to forgive me. Yeah. Right? It's treating confession like a mechanism. Yeah. And that's presumption. That's a sin. Yeah, and, and to an extent, though, like, there's always presumption in confession in that in the sense of we're, we go there because we have imperfect contrition. Yeah. So we know we don't perfectly want God's mercy. That's we have mixed motivations. Yeah, we have mixed motivations. Uh, so that's why the sacrament exists, to help us in our deficiency there. Yes, okay. But that does not mean that you shouldn't go to confession with confidence. You absolutely should. But that confidence comes from knowing who God is and knowing who you are. Mm -hmm. That God is so eager to forgive you. The other reading for year C was the prodigal son. And in the prodigal son, it's amazing because it's almost like God doesn't care about his son's confession. Uh, the father doesn't care about his son's confession. Like he doesn't even let him finish it because God is far more interested not just in the mercy, but in the joy of you being back. Mm -hmm. It's it's it makes no sense in a purely logical way. Well, he kind of even like doesn't he like cut him off? He cuts him off. He doesn't get to finish yeah. his whole apology. Yeah, he's like he's not even hearing it. He's like you're back. Here's a ring and, and some just, sandals and a cool thing, cloak. It goes even more radical than that. Right yeah. at the beginning, essentially, the son's like you're dead to me, and he's like okay. Mm -hmm. And in like in this weird sense of love that we have a hard time understanding he's like okay you've made your choice and i'll lovingly wait and he's also like and oh, that's yeah, what he does that's just, that's just, he's he looking doesn't from a distance he's also looking yep. he sees him from a distance which means he's there's like this waiting stance on the part of the father as well exactly like god is waiting for you god is eager to forgive you yeah god yeah he lets you go but that's because he respects your free will and loves you but like in the, in that story as, as the son asks for his inheritance, basically says that the father is dead to him and goes off and as the, uh, as the older son very correctly puts, squanders his inheritance with prostitutes. Okay, all of that, not once in that story do you hear the father chide the younger son. It's mm -hmm. only mercy. It's only forgiveness. It's mm -hmm. only compassion. And yet... So often we think that we are exempt from that mercy. Mm -hmm. And how dare we do that? <laughs> really? <Yeah. laughs> I think it, it's, it, but again, it gets to the, the, the crux of this is this, it's, it, again, it's not conscious, but we forget the theological distinction between, um, like, Jesus reveals that we are not our sin. Yeah. Right? The problem is we, it's why I always say, if, if the voice in your head accuses you, it's not of God. Because mm -hmm. there's, it's literally why Satan's called the accuser, right? Mm -hmm. And I love how also, in, especially in John's gospel, you know, the Holy Spirit's the advocate. He's the other lawyer. 
going to yeah. your defense, right? There's a, it's a legal case of you in front of the father. Um, yeah. But but we think I am my sin, and when you think you are your sin, you you've made the the kind of conscious mistake of presuming you are what you do mm-hmm. instead of you are what you are based on a prior gift from God through baptism that you are his beloved son, his beloved daughter. Mm-hmm. You are not your sin. Now, yes, it's true. And I think like, I hear like, the presumption thing, for example, with that it's, it's interesting because uh, yeah, presumption exists, but I think like with where people's hearts are at today, I think we have to just almost not worry too much about that. It's not the you know foremost I mean? problem that I hear. Exactly. Like, yeah, occasionally there'll be people who are like, I know I'm going to confession tomorrow. I'm going to sin right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that would be presumption. And that's a sin. Well, that's, and you need to confess and, it. But right. and, and just to add a little thing to that, because we know people who yeah. maybe struggle with habitual sin. Um, yes. Right. You know, you're probably going to do it again. You don't want, but the thing is, it's like, you know that, but you don't want to, but you're need the grace to start moving away from it. So it's not even like, even as a confessor, we recognize that there's a bit of gra- like, and this is there's a bit of gradualism sometimes in advice, right? Mm-hmm. Because knowing, Absolutely. hearing the heart and everything, you're like, okay, we don't want this to happen again, but should it happen, this these are steps you need to start taking, right? Mm-hmm. And we have to recognize that there's like even giving people more concrete goals, like wouldn't it be great that you if you if imagine not giving into the sin, not just like. Instead of getting into sin every day, you, you start setting a goal. Okay, I'm going to try and make it two days. Right? Just on that stupid psychological level. That's what you that, have to do with habits. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You have to build up a new habit. So, anyway, sorry. That's getting us a little off track yeah. there. But. Yeah. No, I think that's important to mention. We always, go to, we, always, we always go to confession stuff here, that cleric speaking. It's, yeah. It's a big yeah. And, and to make myself you know, very clear, I preach about confession very often. Because I know the reality of sin, and I know all of us, including me, need to go to confession. Yep. So in speaking of this, I'm not in any way diminishing the reality and the horror of sin. Right. But if you're looking at sin without looking at it in the light of God's mercy, then you're not being a Christian. Yeah. You're not acting in a Christian way. Yeah. You have given in to the temptations of the enemy who is accusing you. Yeah. And that in itself, I'm not saying it's a moral failing. I'm saying that's a wound. Mm-hmm. It's a wound that you need to recognize and, and realize. And there's so, I'm going to say some things that I hear that I think people misunderstand. Is your, is, is your, is your phone buzzing? Oh, it is. I'm supposed to be recording clerically speaking right now. Thank you, phone. Useless piece of crap. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was like, sounds like someone's calling. I hear the, the iPhone phone buzzing. And... Yeah, it was, I had it stupidly on top of my uh, amp. Sorry. So anyways, uh, that probably. Anyways, anyways. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, you want to go through some things that you hear. So here, okay, here's here's and, and this thing, gorgeous. With all the caveats that if you're going to talk about this, is a like in generic term, right? Not trying to reveal anyone's specific sins or anything like this. Right, right, right. But yeah. uh, this 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 phrase I, I hear all the yeah, time. Okay, like oh, or like uh, God is displeased. Yeah. With you. Yeah. Like your sins displease God. Yeah. Okay. How do we understand that? Yeah. There is a certain theological truth to that in the sense that sin is offensive to God because sin is not of God. Right. So it's an offense toward God. Right. Sure. Makes sense. Yep. But when we think of that, when we say my sin is displeasing to God or my sin displeases God, we think of this 
man crossing his arms, looking at us with a furrowed brow and being displeased with us. Right. That's that's not the stance of God at all. Yeah. Uh, or the you know um, a lot of language around mortal sin. Yeah. Now, first of all, I think uh, I do believe in mortal sin. It's a real thing. It's a very doable thing. Mm-hmm. But I think more often I hear scrupulosity and not mortal sin in the confessional. Like sometimes I'll hear mortal sin, but, mm-hmm. or they even, the, okay. So, and I think we've talked about this before, the language that uh, mortal sin completely cuts us off from God. Yes. How do you understand that? Well, and this is one thing I, I've always, it, there's a truth there, but there's also, it removes a certain fact. If yes. it completely cuts us off from God, then you lose your baptism. Exactly. <laughs> and that's heresy. And also, that's, that's called donatism, and that's a heresy yeah. in the church. Right? Mm-hmm. So, also, uh, yeah. Yeah, Sorry, and also, uh, why are you back in the confessional? Exactly. Did what you bring weakness? yourself there? Well, this is exactly it, right? The grace of baptism is what moves you there, right? This is yes. God's grace at work there. And so um, mortal sin removes us i would say it removes us from the possibility of eternal communion with god but it doesn't remove us absolutely in this life because it can't let's look at otherwise otherwise we are we are we are heretics about the sacraments right and 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 a very extreme level if it completely cuts off from god we would cease to exist okay so think about (laughs) the story of the prodigal son the son has removed himself from the father he's in Mm -hmm. a distant land but even though he has removed himself from the father yeah. There's a sense in which the father is still with him because at his mm-hmm. lowest point, who does he think of? His father. And, not and, just, and like his father, us, like a slave of his father's. Like, like just like, I'm not even going to be in that same relationship, but I can, even a lower relationship with him is better. Exactly. So he knows it's even a lower relationship is better, but he also doesn't understand the father because mm-hmm. he's so in his own muck, he's forgotten yeah. who his father is. And the father is there waiting for him in a certain sense in his heart, calling him back to himself. And the father has no interest in him being a servant yeah. because he remains his son. Even he did all those terrible sins, his sonship remains. Yeah. And the father reminds the son of this by giving him the ring, the sandals, the party, uh, the cloak, right? There is a reconciliation there, but God's stance towards you has never changed. Mm-hmm. And I like these readings in your C for Laetare Sunday, because in the midst of Lent, Lent is very often a season of failure in so many ways. Like Father Harrison, you and I have, have talked about that on the podcast. Um, you know, I, I doubt by, I mean, I, I strongly doubt that there's nearly anyone listening to this podcast who has not in some way failed the Lenten promises. Um, it's a season of repentance. But in the midst of that, the church wants to remind us, okay, yeah, yeah, all these failures, yeah, they happen, they're real, okay? But remember who you are and who God is, that we are a new creation in Christ, that we have been reconciled to the Father. There is a certain like general stance of the Christian that we've been reconciled to the Father. And because of that reconciliation, we can go to reconciliation. And so the attitude of someone going to confession, what we should work on, this doesn't happen overnight, but like you have every reason to joyfully put your sins before the priest. Because just like the father in the gospel, um, 
the priest is there waiting for you because Christ is there waiting for you because the father's there waiting for you and not just waiting mm-hmm. for you, but calling you to the confessional. Mm-hmm. So you need to go outside and put your bare feet in some snow and wake up and get reset and remember who you are and who God is. Yeah. And in, um, I don't, oh. oh yeah. It's, and this is the thing, right? Like it's a phrase I love from, Benedict, obviously, um, talks about how the truth purifies, right? It takes out in of us what's selfish or what is inwardly focused and draws us into the truth, which is always outside of ourselves. And um, and so there's always an aesthetic, aesthetic character to truth, right? It 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 will reveal and take away whatever's false and 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 negative. And so when you're doing this. Um, with things like confession where if this is your attitude there has like there is something to like it all because i think part of this there is this weird um i don't i'm trying not to be judgy about it but it's like this is the best way i can sure. think about it uh there is often a weird self-centered sentimentalism when it comes to confessing sins and so there's this first a need to experience Forgiveness, like I have to, I have to experience this, like, and I need to be assuaged of my conscience and all this stuff. Okay, fine. There's that, and it's, again, and I'm not saying this is conscious, but this, this is what comes out in these things. But we have to essentially. I'm gonna. Do you want, it's Lent. I'm gonna be a bit more fatherly here. We've got to get over ourselves. Absolutely. Right. Get Everything you're saying, I'm agreeing with strongly. <laughs> yeah. You're on the right track. Got, this is yeah. right. Yeah, we gotta get over ourselves. So if the truth purifies, like, say. I recognize that these humans, but the truth is, the real truth mm-hmm. that I will eventually have to incorporate into experience is that God's mercy is so great that I'm not my sin. And so I may not even feel forgiven when I come out, but I know it's true, right? So I always say to people when they're struggling, like, you have to constantly remind yourself or or um, to get away from this, this weird kind of sentimentalism around our sin and our past and say, I trust in God's presence and in his future and everything he's going to offer me with himself. And I am willing to, yeah, I'm willing to say, you're right, God. Your mercy is bigger. So here it all is. There you go. And I'm going to get over myself. And it's just like, that's it. You know, okay, so uh, parental advisory, parental Mm -hmm. advisory, Parental advisory from what I'm about to say. Okay, do you have your time? Do you have the time? You guys, you guys ready? Okay, you turn off the podcast. Now you're by yourself. All adults, mature adults. Like, let's get real honest here, because this is what a lot of people struggle with. Okay, Christ died on the cross for you. So look up at at one of those crucifixes, and just imagine, like, nope. You know what? You touched yourself too many times. The cross wasn't enough for you. No forgiveness for you. Mm-hmm. Like, seriously, get over yourself. <laughs> like, really, really. Because, like, what this is, is a very sneaky, weird form of pride in us. Um, I, I hate the phrase, like, once again, people misunderstand this idea that we are the worst of sinners. Yeah. <sighs> and I, I'm sure I've talked about this before. But, like, saints say that because they, they can say that they're the worst of sinners because they are more aware of God's mercy in their lives. Exactly. Yeah. When you and I say that, we're being prideful twerps, yeah. thinking that we are super sinners. When, trust me, I hear your confessions, you are a regular old sinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. your sin's not that special. It's just not bigger than the cross. 
Like you can try. It just it's just not. Mm-hmm. Your sins aren't original. They're not all too clever. And Christ is more powerful than your sin. And your sin does not destroy you. So get yeah. over yourself. And, so, and okay, good. Romans eight thirty one to thirty nine. We're just going to both bring in some more Paul here. This is yeah. one of my favorite passages. What what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, while he not will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are counted, we are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you have every reason to be joyful and thankful of who you are because of who Christ made you to be. Amen. Yeah. So... Trust get over yourself and says. have some joyful confessions yeah, <laughs> yeah. Trust what Paul says. Like, absolutely and he and, knows the reality of sin he's talking to the romans he's pre- like he's talking to christians who are not different than us right and like i've experienced people like because this is the thing i've actually experienced genuine sadness over sin and confession yes that's different and it's different and i, I i'm like man this person's a saint <laughs> yeah usually because it's not coming out of this, I'm a horrible person, but it comes from the it's sadness not of knowing. It's not a self-pity. It's like, it's it's it comes from a wound of love offended, not on their, within themselves. This is the thing. Most, most sins we confess, we're actually just mad that we screwed ourselves up. We're actually not really mad yeah. for our relationship with God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've been caught, you know, stealing a cookie from the cookie jar. We're actually not <laughs> really sad that we've hurt God, our relationship with God. Because when you right. see it, when you see when you encounter that kind of holy sadness around sin, it's vastly different than what most people do with themselves when they're confessing sins. And so, <laughs> confession is really an objective experience. This is why, like, I always say to people too, it's like I often like I've been getting better about like not offering advice. <laughs> Same, yeah. And it's like it's great. It's like no, you come in, you say what you need to say. Here's your penance. Get lost. No, I mean not get lost, but uh, you know. <laughs> but I mean no. Is it, go in I mean peace. <laughs> go in peace. Go in peace. Go go in the peace of Christ. But, but it's just go like in peace. In peace. Yeah. Go in exactly in. And it's a peace that we're in. Like we're in Christ, mm-hmm. right? It's it's a, to something alive today that we receive and are given. And so this is not a psychological counseling experience. This is not. Uh, this is not something to assuage. Uh, issues of counseling that we need to deal with this is the place where forgiveness is given so we can go confidently in god's love amen and uh, uh, the final thing i'll say is just in case it sounds like i'm being kind of haughty in this uh (laughs) as i mentioned the very beginning this is because something i needed to hear in my prayer too and i literally just got from i came back from confession 
And even though I've been thinking about all this stuff, there was still that little bit of like feeling of hesitation. Like how honest should I be with my sins, my confessor? Like I am not better than what I am saying. I'm saying this is something that we all need on some level. Yeah, I'm going to confession tonight and I can't wait. Oh, good. We're going to be some, some holy podcasters. Yeah. I think that's good enough. You think that's good enough? Okay. I think that cool. is uh, good enough. All right. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please leave a review on iTunes and le- and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies, too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me basking in the mercy of God. You can find me basking in the same mercy on Twitter at FR Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> I know I kind of set you up like after I'm basking on the, in the mercy of God you're like oh I'm on Twitter but you, you yeah, handle that very well there you go you're it's, professional it's, uh, Harrison although I've not been on much lately because I've just been a little too busy to go on there so exactly. <laughs> I'm alive I'm around I'm around but either way contact the podcast and receive updates at clericalpod on Twitter find us on Facebook YouTube or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com if you have a theological emergency Please call 412-912-7995, 412-912-7995. If you're curious about mass times, call your parish, not the emergency number. Peace. God bless.